missions, um, I want to mention, because I didn't see it, but someone said they thought the time was wrong on there. So I want to make sure everybody knows that prime timers were meeting at 1130 at Catfish Corner on Saturday. Okay? And if you're going, please sign up or text me because I'm, you know, giving them a number before we get there. But we got the back room reserved. All right. BGMC. So the kids this week are going to be learning about Compassion Link. And that might be something that none of y'all know about either. So Compassion Link is made up of missionaries that most of them live in the U.S. And they lead teams. They sometimes go just on their own. But they also lead teams all over the world to work with either missionaries that are already there or work with national pastors to help in the poorest areas with things like learning how to make fly traps, which is what they're going to learn this morning, or learning how to sterilize their own water in the sunshine using clear bottles that you put in the sun for 12 hours and it sterilizes the water. Did y'all know that? And they, uh, and like, show them how to make, like, um, gardens like using big tires and stuff I actually do that in my yard <laughs> um, but they're doing it for like veggie gardens and stuff when they have bad soil and so they need to be able to do it that way or solar ovens to show them how they can use the sun in order to cook food because they have no electricity so that's what Compassion Link does it's a wonderful ministry um, worldwide where they go around and they help people from the deserts of Africa to the jungles of South America, all over the world. And so that's what they're going to be learning today. And BGNC um, has helped with that. Um, they have trained more than 100,000 people in ways to improve their health and to reach people for Jesus. So they also do it all through the national church that's there. And then, of course, that gives them an opening to build relationships to people so that they can... Um, share Jesus because of course we love people and we want to help them but you know the biggest help at all is to introduce them to Jesus so let's pray Stand up. Lord I just thank you for the opportunity to give into your work around the world not just in BGMC Lord with the change and dollar bills and checks and whatever that they're going to put in the buckets to help with BGMC but also Lord to, in the missions offering in the regular offering that's going to take place Lord that that, that we thank you that you give us that opportunity, Lord, to partner with your people that you have called to go all over the world in places that we're not so that people can learn to know Jesus, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask you to bless this offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all come.
Thank you. Thank y'all for your giving. Thank y'all for your giving. Uh, that's, how, that's how football coaches do it like this, so you can't read your plays. But I want you to know, thank y'all for giving. Okay, two or three things. One inside your bulletin today is this flyer on trunk or treat. A lot of information on it, okay? And to go along with that, there's a meeting after church today for whatever they talk about. Okay. I got, I got that covered. Okay. Uh, and then another thing inside your bulletin is a prayer list. I want you to look at that. That thing's growing. We need to get some hardcore people praying for some of these guys so we can get them off this list. We're going to have to get a second page if we don't, and we don't want to do that. So let's let's remember them in our prayers uh, and pray sincerely for their healing. Don't just, you know, put it on your heart and keep it there. Okay, that's that part. Now then, so 1 Corinthians 9 tells us to not muzzle the ox when he's treading out the grain. I've had several people ask me and talk to me about, do I guard the candy when I'm on the desk? <laughs> so put those two things together, okay? And bring more candy. We, we need more candy. That's one of our nests, but we need more candy. And I will say that if you cannot or do not want to go buy candy, if you will make a cash donation either to Christy or to Stacy or Pastor or somebody on the staff or whatever, they will be glad to go get it for you. Uh, I don't know how much we have. Uh, like I said, they let me guard it once in a while, so the supply is not really growing. <laughs> okay. Um, just, just a thought for you guys. Uh, all the regular announcements about the youth, the children's church, the uh, men's breakfast and our prayer and our, and our Bible study. Um, I've got a couple of things to say about the men's breakfast on October 21st. That's when we're going to have a shoot for the ladies to go shoot their guns. And that's when we want to feed you breakfast. But we need you to sign up so we'll know how many people we're going to have. And um, the only thing you have to have, if you want it, will be a chair to sit in and a box of ammo. We're going to furnish earplugs. We're going to furnish the targets. And it's not going to be us guys. So forget, forget that. We got, we got some hay bales with targets on them, and we'll set up, and you guys can shoot, shoot at the targets. <laughs> okay. Um, but we would love for, we've had lots of, of inquiries about that over the last year, year and a half, and we're willing to do it. We just need you to sign up so that we'll know who's coming and, and how, how to proceed from there. Um, that's why I didn't play football, I fumble. Uh, there is, uh, October 1st is our day for baptism, okay? Sign-up sheet on the desk, and let's go see something else about that, too. So we have about eight people that are going to be baptized next Sunday. So I'm going to be, that during the service, I'm going to be teaching on baptism. So, you know, it's important for us to know what baptism is. How many of you guys know what it means to get baptized and the scriptural references of it? 
So we're going we're gonna to teach on it. And then during the service, because I think that's appropriate, we're going to have our baptismal service. I'll teach, teach on it. And then we're going to invite them to come up, and we're going to baptize. You know, if you want to give, if you want to write it out, your, your testimony or what Jesus means to you, you can write it out, and I'll read it. Or if you want to talk about it, you can. But I think that's a moment where you're, you're giving an outward expression of an inward change, what Jesus has done for you. So that'll be next Sunday. And then we also have communion Sunday next Sunday as well. So, <laughs> All right. Thank you for your announcements. <laughs> okay. We had a great safety seminar yesterday. Um, nearly everybody that signed up showed up. And you guys can feel safer, whether you do or not. I don't know. But you can if you want to. So. Okay, we've talked about this several times, and I don't know how it's going right now, but background checks. Uh, I don't know how many have turned them in, but if you want to work with the kids in any way, shape, or form, we have to have a background check on you. That's per our insurance, our liability, and even the guy that mentioned it yesterday that was here for our safety seminar, we need background checks if you're going to work in any way with the kids or the youth. It's just it's just the way the world is today. So if you're interested, please, please get your background checks in. Um, Wednesday night, we're going to have a missionary here. And I think I heard Brother Marcus talking one time about him being having some healing services. Is, is this the guy? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, hey, if you're hurting, you're sick, you need healing, make a plan. I mean, you know, if you're going to go to the grocery store, you make a plan. So if you're sick and hurting, make a plan to get better. The plan is come to church and get healed. I mean, there's, there's, it's really simple. If you follow God's steps, you can, you can find what you need right here. Uh, that is, okay, you know, like I said, the, the, other, the regular announcements, and then, of course, Sister Faith has already mentioned uh, Catfish Corner for prime timers, and uh, I don't even know where that is. Okay, it's on South Commerce Street. Okay, so uh, evidently I don't go there very much because I, I would know better about it. But um, and the time in the bulletin is correct. She said 11:30, so uh, get with that. All right, that's it, fellas. Let's take an offering. Money. Okay, I'm going to see if Brother David will pray for us today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings to you once again today. It's an outward expression of worship. I pray that the collection will be spread and go far to serve the church. Thank you in Jesus' name. All right, y'all, let's get ready to praise and worship. Here comes Julie. And this praise and worship team. <laughs> Y'all get on your feet this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again, God, to come into your house, Lord, and to openly and freely praise your holy name, God. Help us not to ever take that for granted, God, as it is a privilege, Father. Father, we ask that you would just move in this house this morning any way that you see fit, God. Just remove us from the equation, God, and just move through us, Father. A fresh anointing in Jesus' name, amen.
Go ahead, Dennis. God, we pray that you would just just banish those, God. Father, whatever it is, it's oppression, Father. If it's anxiety, Lord, whatever it is, God, we ask that you would just take control of it, God, in the name of Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit just flow through this sanctuary, God, like we know it will. We know it wants to, Father. We just have to open up to you this morning, Lord. Father, we humble ourselves at your feet today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worth worship with us this morning as we sing about the goodness of God. Every breath. 
We're going we're gonna to sing that song again, but as you do that, I was thinking of Jehoshaphat in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the, they had a horde of army coming against them. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel, said, Lord, we don't know what to do. We, we don't know what to do, but he said he set a fast and he set to prayer. And he set the whole city to prayer and the whole nation to prayer and to fasting. And they sought God. And a word was spoken, and he said, the, Lord, the, the battle is not yours, but God's. And as they begin to worship, and as they begin to praise God, God sent them, and they ambushed each other, and the enemy was destroyed. 
So let's sing that song again of the faithfulness and goodness of God. He will battle your the armies that are coming against you, the demonic attacks. Begin to give God worship and see what God will begin to do. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fires in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every prayer that I am able, oh, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. When my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Sing that again. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. When my life played down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me.
have a little bit of heaviness this morning. If you're if you're feeling heavy this morning, I want to pray for you here. I want to anoint you and pray for you. There's those times when you just need to give it to God. He's the only one that can do it for you. Just make your way down to your front between you and the Father. If it's just one or two or three people, you're feeling heavy, give it to the Lord. Oh my life, you have been faithful. 
about the goodness of God and uh, sometimes when we're in the middle of something it's hard to see the goodness of God and uh, we often wonder God where are you Um, and he's here this morning even when we don't see God moving he is working Um, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning that Sometimes circumstances dictate, but even Joseph, um, and this is not the sermon this morning, but uh, Joseph, when Joseph was in prison, when he was sold into slavery and he was in prison and it seemed like things went from bad to worse, God still gave him favor and God was still with him and God had a plan in the end. And there's a scripture that says, God works all things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God can take a difficult situation. It's kind of like a diamond. How, real quick, just a little, it's kind of like a little Bible study before we get into the sermon this morning. Does anybody know how a diamond is made? Dennis, how's a, how's a diamond made? Pressure. Lots of pressure. Coal, heat, and pressure. But what comes out from it? A diamond, which is the hardest material on earth. So if you're going through something this morning, just remember, if you're a child of God, God is creating a diamond. 
out of your situation. Right? I believe that. We go through difficulties, and I just really feel like I need to share that with some of you this morning. And remember, if you came forward for prayer this morning, God knew who needed prayer this morning. Believe in faith that you have received it. Sometimes we come forward and we think, okay, God didn't hear me. It's not based on feeling. We live by faith, not by what? Sight. We often want to feel it. There's times I pray and I don't feel nothing. On a Wednesday night, I shared my testimony how God called me that night. I felt conviction, but when I went forward and came down to the front as an eight-year-old boy, I went, afterwards, my mom, I didn't feel anything. She said, it's not based on feeling. It's based off of what? Faith. So in, in, in your prayer this morning, if you came forward for prayer, believe that God's received it and he's heard it. Remember this, too. When God acts on your behalf, sometimes he doesn't act immediately. Do you guys know the difference between a miracle and healing? Miracles are instantaneous. Healing is a process. You know, take the notes off this morning. God's taking me in a different direction. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I've preached on this before, but I think we need to hear this this morning. You guys are like, are we ever going to get back to the book of Philippians? I don't know. That's up to God. So that's why it's important for you to bring your Bibles, because if I don't have it, if God changes it on me, and it's not up on the screen, <laughs> you have your Bible to go to, or, or electronic Bible if you have one. But uh, at, uh, Mark chapter 11, look at verse 20. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 20. It says, in the morning as they went along... These are the disciples. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you do this to me often, but that's okay. It's your church, not mine. God, you care about us this morning. You care about your sheep. You care about your children. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus that you will speak to those that needed to hear this this morning. Father, as, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me what you want to say. Not with eloquence, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That, Lord, you will change lives. You will change minds. You will strengthen people this morning. Give us understanding and soft hearts to receive what your word says today and to put it into practice in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, what? Amen. So in this chapter, in this book, Mark writes about this fig tree. Just before this, Jesus is speaking of faith. And there was a fig tree that didn't have any figs on it. It was the time of season to have figs. And and there's a lot of debate on whether that's symbolism of Israel. That, that's not the, the gist of the story. The gist of the story is faith. 
fruit in faith. And so Jesus sees this fig tree. He goes to eat something from it, and there's no figs on it. It has beautiful leaves, and that's a whole sermon in itself. How many of us have beautiful leaves, but we're not producing fruit? That could go in a whole other message here in the church of Laodicea, right? If you're lukewarm, he will what? Spit you out of his... How many guys like lukewarm coffee? It's either cold or what? Hot. Now, I've drank lukewarm coffee, and I've guzzled it down because I needed a little bit of a burst in the morning, but it sure doesn't taste good. So Jesus goes to this tree, and he curses it, and it dries up from the roots. So in verse 20, it says, In the morning... As they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Okay, this is Jesus. Can, may I remind you in the scripture, Jesus says you and I will do greater things than he did? Jesus said that. Are we doing greater things than Jesus did? We have to ask the church. We have to ask ourselves that question. Hold your spot here and go with me to Mark 16. Mark 16. Look with me in verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. This is just before Jesus ascends. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, verse 17, this is important, church. And these signs will accompany those who what? Say it again. Do you believe this morning? Do, do you have Jesus in your heart? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? So all these signs will accompany those who believe. Or they should, right? Then he says this. In my name they will drive out demons. Now that doesn't mean you go looking for a demon behind every bush. But what that does mean is you have authority in Christ to rebuke the devil. I don't remember who the gentleman was, but I, he, he wrote a book on uh, deliverance and stuff. But he said that he was in his room, and his wife was next to him, and their, their bedroom door went down to the hallway. And he was sitting in bed, and he heard a noise, and he looked up, and there was a black shadow figure at the bottom of his bed. And being all tough as a Christian, he took his covers and put it over his head. And he said, in the name of Jesus, go away. How many of us have done that before? Come on. I'll be honest with you, I'm a grown man, but I don't like to be in a big dark room or dark place by myself. First thing I come in and I go flip on the lights. Makes you feel better, doesn't it? Yes, your pastor's done that before. So he pulled the covers down and he looked and that figure was still there. And it was moving. And he said, I rebuked you in the name of Jesus. Why are you still here? And he said, because I'm allowed to be here. Don't you know what's in your daughter's room? And he saw this figure turn and turn towards his daughter's room. So he got up, a little nervous, a little scared, walked into her room, looked under her bed, and she had Wicca. Outfits and witchcraft, a Ouija board, all kinds of stuff. He took it out in the backyard and burned it right then. And he heard screams. And then he rebuked it and it left. You and I have authority over the devil. However, we can give the devil a foothold into our life. We're going to come back to Mark 16 
Go with me to go, go, go in your Bibles. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, look with me in verse 26. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a what? A foothold. Then he goes on to talk about he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. You and I can give the devil a foothold into our life. He says these signs will accompany those that believe. But sometimes those, those operations or the, the Holy Spirit moving in our life will not work if we're allowing the devil a foothold. It's like, what do you allow into your homes? What do you watch? What do you listen to? Who do you listen to? How do you treat others? And when you do treat others bad or you talk bad about somebody, do you repent? Do you change? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your life? we got to be careful of that stuff. I'll give you another example. When Brianna, our oldest, was younger, and we lived up in Owasso, and uh, she would have night terrors. Anybody know what a night terror is? It's like their eyes are open, but they're freaking out and scared and screaming, and it, it's uncontrollable. And the more you try to control it, the worse it gets. So I'm rocking her one night in the rocker recliner in, in her bedroom, and I just said in my heart, Lord, is there any reason why she's having these night terrors? And the Lord dropped in my heart, stop watching NCIS. NCIS, come on, that's not a bad show to us. I said, Lord, if this is you, let Stacy say something. Speak to Stacy. Right then she walked by the bedroom door and she said, I feel like God wants us to stop watching CSI. We stopped watching those shows. Guess what happened? She stopped having night tears. I was going to say, don't clap yet, because a week later, I got tempted. <laughs> and I watched NCIS LA, and when I did, guess what she had that night? That's a true story. That really happened. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, releasing people. Anger, bitterness will give the devil a foothold in our life. And then we wonder, why is God's power not working in our life? This morning in Philippians, we were going to talk about unity. One thing the devil wants to do is cause disunity within the body of Christ, within families, within situations. Why do you think he's gone after the fathers of the home? The father is the spiritual leader. Men, I'm going to speak to you this morning. You are the spiritual leader of your home. If your family's not following God, it's because of a result of you. That's biblical. 
That's not my saying, that's God's saying. That goes back to me, that goes back to us, because we're the spiritual leader of the home. So, don't give the devil a foothold. So you and I have signs that should accompany us. One, we can cast out devils. Again, don't go looking for them. Be very careful about that. Listen, the, the demons and the devil still have power. They have lots of power. God hasn't taken that power away from them. The difference is, is they don't have the authority anymore. You know, if I, if I had a cop pull me over and it was a scrawny little cop, I, and I could take them, would I take them? Absolutely not. Because they, yeah, that would be crazy. Pastor arrested for taking on the puny cop. You know you could probably physically do it, but you don't do it because they wear a badge and that badge has authority behind it. You and I wear a badge and that badge says Jesus. You and I have authority. Go back with me to Mark 16. Jesus not only says, now remember, these are red words, so who's saying this? Jesus is. I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this. He says, these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. You notice it says, in his name. Not in your authority, not in your power, but in his name. They will speak with new tongues. Why do we believe that tongues is the physical initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because what happened on the day of Pentecost? Cloven tongues. It wasn't prophecy, although prophecy is one of the gifts. It was tongues. What was the sign to the Gentile believers at Cornelius' house? What was the sign to the Jewish believers that the Gentiles had received the same gift? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising who? God. So you look at that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can and should be able to speak in tongues. I didn't get any amens. We're in the summons of God church. Right? That's the outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit. And maybe it hasn't happened to you yet. Keep asking God. Don't seek the gift. Seek the gift giver. Just get, just get along with God. Sometimes I think we make it bigger than what it is. Just give it to God. Stop overthinking it. I think sometimes we just need to get in his presence and say, God, I just want more of you. Uh, John Wimber one time, he was talking about this, and, and he said that uh, uh, he was walking and he was praying, and he, he said, God, I just want more of you. And all of a sudden he started praying in this weird language. He goes, oh, wait, that's, I think that's tongues. This is right after he got saved. And he goes, oh, I was told this was bad. <laughs> well, John Wimber, he founded the band The Righteous Brothers. Anybody know who The Righteous Brothers are? They had a different name before the righteous presence. He was the keyboardist. He said, I always had a kind of rebellious spirit in me. So when I found out and I started praying in tongues and people kept telling me he was bad, I was like, oh, I want to do this more. For one, it drew him closer in his relationship with God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what gives us power to live out that walk with God. Then he says this, verse 18, they will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get what? Well. So that doesn't mean go pick up deadly snakes. What that means is if you're preaching the gospel, and like Paul when he was on the island of Maltus, and he put his hand to a pile of sticks, and a viper bit him on the hand, he just shook it off. God protected him. 
Somebody feeds you deadly poison. And you're preaching the gospel. God will protect you. I remember when I was in the Air Force, we had a missionary. He'd worked for Burlington Northern uh, Santa Fe, the, 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 uh, the, you know, the railroad company. And uh, his wife had got saved. His kids had got saved, but he still wasn't saved. They kept witnessing him. He was getting irritated and irritated. Can I tell you, sometimes you just need to keep bugging some of those loved ones. Because he finally got to a point where he says, like, okay, I've got to figure out why they're bugging me so much about this. And guess what happened to him? He got saved. Yeah, so keep praying. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep praying for your loved ones. God can work in their life. Don't stop. Prayer is the most important thing you can do. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Guys, I've been praying for my dad for I don't know how long. My mom's been praying. And when we were coming down here to Canada, I asked my dad, Dad, have you, finally, have you given your life to Jesus? I asked him twice. He goes, yeah, I did that a while back. I got to take him at his word. Before, he wouldn't even step foot in a church. So don't stop praying. Well, anyways, this guy, he was working for Burlington Northern. He gets saved, and then God calls him into the mission field, and he's struggling. He's like, I don't want to give up my good job because I got a good retirement. Well, he ended up going out in the mission field. When God calls you, he supplies the need. He takes care of you. He ends up over in Africa somewhere. He and his wife were there, and they're in this village, and they were feeding him this really nice leafy plant and like a salad and that evening he just kind of his stomach was hurting and I'm going to say it here in church but he had gas his stomach come on we're all human beings we've all had that well then his wife got that but they couldn't figure it out so the next day they went and they said hey that was a really good meal but it was kind of hurting our stomach a little bit the tribe got saved because they were feeding them poison that should have killed them And they wanted to test, is this God that they serve real? So they were feeding them poison. And they should have died that night. And all it gave them was a little indigestion. God was their Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> then it talks about this. Because I think we have a hard time in the States on this. In Western Christianity. We come forward for prayer. We lay hands on somebody for prayer. And then we think, well, you know what? I prayed about it, and then we, we, we failed to believe God that we've received it. That God's going to answer our prayer. Sometimes God doesn't always answer right away. Sometimes it's a process. My dad, when, we, when I was in the service, and I might have shared this with you, you're, you'll hear some of the same stories. Before you know it, you'll be able to tell stories better than me. But... We had built him a 50-foot by 50-foot hangar. His neighborhood, there's, there's an air park, and my dad had, has his private pilot's license. He's not, uh, he's not current right now, but he has three airplanes and a bunch of stuff. Anyways, we're building this hangar, and I'm in the service, and one of the I-beams fell right on the top of his foot right here. It broke his foot in half. And we began to pray up there in North Dakota at our church, begin to pray for him and pray for him. And his foot healed fast. A guy in his, there at American Airlines that he works with had the same exact injury, and yet his foot never healed completely. It, it, it never has. The power of prayer, that's healing. 
Miracles are instantaneous. Healing is a process. But did you see how God sped up the healing process and healed the bones? So we need to believe that when we lay hands on somebody or we come forward for an answer to prayer, we need to believe that God hears our prayer and he will answer our prayer. So let's go back to Mark 11. This is a great training for the disciples and teaching by Jesus on faith. Look at verse 21. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now, they'd already been with Jesus and he'd already per performed miracles. How many times has God worked in our life and then we forget about it and we go, and then something happens great and we go, oh my goodness, that was awesome, right? And it's like we forget that God will answer prayer. It's like they forgot that Jesus could answer prayer, that Jesus could heal the sick. I'm going to share a testimony this morning. I shared it in Sunday school, and I don't know who did it. I don't care who did it, but I want you to know whoever blessed us with this, you answered a prayer. On, on this week, you know, I, I shared with the group this morning. I got three grown girls, and they're eating me out of house and home. I bought three bags of chips, and by the end of the day, they were gone. Come on, am I the only one that's had that where your kids are eating? I mean, you buy a gallon of milk or a half gallon, and it's gone. And I thought, did I do this to my mom? So I was in here praying. I said, God, you led us here. You direct us here. And you said you would provide for us. We need some money for groceries. Christy came in. She came into the office. She laid an envelope there on the table. She goes, hey, pastor, this is for you. I opened it up. Somebody had given us $1,250 at the farmer's market. Whoever did that, thank you. You answered God's prayer because I prayed about it that morning. Yeah, give God praise, not me. I share those things because God knows your need. He wants to answer your prayers. And we get an idea sometimes where, oh, it didn't happen right away, so I guess it's, it's not an answer. Even for a loved one that you've been praying for years, sometimes it takes a while. I remember praying up and up to, Lord, I've been praying for this couple to, to get saved and to come to church. And I said, Lord, they're just not coming in. And God goes, man, you got to give me some time to work on these people. It's the truth. Remember, God's working in their lives. We get a little impatient with God. Because we're, if you could say, we're, our whole society is an entitlement society. Not just the kids. We want to pick on the kids, but who raised the kids? We have the society that we, we expect God to answer when we expect him to answer. But remember, God knows everything. He knows all the details. He's working everything out. And he does it a whole lot better than we can. If we tried it, we'd mess it up. But he works through and he, he does things. And, and, by, and when you're done and you're out of the clouds and you're out of the fog and you look back and you go, oh, now I see. Now I get it. We got to trust the process. So Jesus says something to them, and I think he says that to us today. Mark eleven twenty two. he says, have faith in who? God. Everybody say that. Have faith in God. Now hold your spot here and go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. 
It says here, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hope and faith work in concert with each other. The enemy will come in and try to kill your hope. And when he kills your hope, it kills your what? Your faith. They work together. And the hope, again, you've heard me share before with you, this hope is not a wishful hope. Well, I hope it happens. Anybody ever done that? Well, I hope it works out the way I hope it works out. I said that twice. That's pretty cool. But it's a, it's a joyful expectation that it's going to happen. You just know that you know that you know. We need to have that same kind of expectation when we come to God for prayer. When we come forward for prayer. We need to have that same expectation that God hears our prayer and he's going to answer us. Oftentimes we come with the attitude of, okay, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go forward and I'm going to pray. But if nothing happens, I, I thought it would. That it was just going to turn out that way. That's not the right kind of faith. That's not the faith God's looking for. He wants us to have faith. I mean, you're saved by faith, right? You didn't go, well, I hope so Jesus saves me, right? When you got saved, you just believed and you took it by what? Faith. So why can we do that for salvation but not other things of God? It's awfully quiet in here this morning. I must be getting some attention here this morning. And I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. We need to trust that God is going to answer the prayer. I, I, Gabriel, I, I'm, I'm going to pick on Gabriel, but Gabriel's here. Uh, many of you don't know this, but the bags that we collected for him, do you know God doubled those bags? Hi, Gabriel, I'm going to ask you, how many bags did you take in that we gave you? How many bags? So we had 10 in each, six full trash bags. How many more did you end up after six bags? Did you hear that? God multiplied it by four. Come on, give God praise for that. God multiplied it. Six bags, come on. Listen, I'm, I love math. I'm not the greatest at it. You get me up to geometry, like I said last week, I said I got a D in geometry. But I'm okay in, in your normal math. Do the math. We had six bags. They emptied out those six bags and went back into the car and there were four more bags. God multiplied it. I think I've shared this. Stacy knows this. When we were in Upton, we went, the first two years, we had about 10 or 11 kids. We started Royal Rangers Mission S program. By our third year, we had 53 kids, half the elementary down there. God can do that. We need to be uh, uh, souls-minded, reaching all different age groups and ethnicities and different people. And, and so we took the kids down there, and somebody brought a, 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 a pot of chili. We had 400 people show up to the community center. We had one pot of chili. People kept coming up and getting chili and getting chili. And by the end of the night, we had a half a pot of chili. That's, a, that's true. That really happened. We call it the miracle of the chili. Maybe we'll have the miracle of the hot dogs this year. 
And if, if Randy doesn't get to the candy, we'll have a miracle of the candy. I say all that because we serve a mighty God and we limit God on what he can do. We really do. And it starts with our doubt. So faith and hope work in concert. Go, go to verse 6. Verse 6. Now understand this. This is called the, the hall of faith. And at the end of the chapter, it talks about those that didn't see the promise. They were sawn in two. They were beaten. They were put to death. And they never got to see the promise. But they still believed God. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Real faith is believing God when he doesn't answer the way that you want him to. You're praying for faith. I had one lady say, but pastor, not here, it was at another church. Pastor, if, if, I, if I prayed for a healing and it didn't happen, does that mean I had no faith? And I said, Linda, I said, real faith is still trusting God even when it doesn't turn out the way that you want to. That's real faith. But look at verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me stop there. You will never please God unless you have faith. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that all of us have a measure of faith. So you can't use the excuse, I have no faith. How many of you are sitting in a chair this morning? Did you have faith that they would hold you up? Yeah. By the way, we, uh, we're keeping the pews for a while because we were able to fix them. Thank you, Sherry and Rick. They, they were able to fix the pews. We got them fixed. Yeah, that's an answer to prayer. So look, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, notice you got to go to him, must believe that he exists. That's the first thing. Does God exist? Is he real? Yeah, yeah I've been in church my whole life. I, I, I know the sermons. I've, no, do you believe that God is real? And that he's a rewarder of those that earnestly seek him. That means God wants to reward you for your faith. But you got to earnestly seek him. There, there, there's a dynamic there that it's conditional, right? It, that's a conditional phrase there. Uh, you need to go to him. You must believe that he exists. You must believe that he will reward you when you earnestly seek him. Are you seeking the Lord? Are you pursuing after him? I know we all have those weeks where we kind of get out of tune with walking with God or talking. With, even I do. And I, this last week I was like, Lord, I, please forgive me. I, I haven't spent much time with you. And I got right back in there to spending time with him. Because it's relationship, right? You have to earnestly seek him. Earnestly means going after him until you get a hold of him. Sometimes in church we get in a hurry. We start thinking, well, it's, 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 it's noon. It's time to go eat. Do you know in Africa they have church for eight hours? You should see everybody going, man, really? <laughs> I'm going to start packing a lunch. The pastor goes eight hours. They have church for eight hours. I think I've shared this with you, but over in Africa, in a certain country, they have paths. People would make paths for their prayer time. And if a person's path was grown in, they'd walk, somebody would walk up to them and say, hey, Brother, your path is grown up. Here in America, if somebody said that to you, you'd be get offended and get hurt and get mad. And such and such told me my path was grown in. They're telling me how to serve God. So listen, 
you got to have faith. Now let's go back to Mark, Mark 11. Jesus says, have faith in God. So you got to have faith in the Lord. How do you build your faith? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. You know, I've seen miracles, but that's not going to build my faith. It may make it a little stronger, but it's not really going to build it. The Bible says that your faith is built by hearing the word of God. So start building your, your faith through the word of God. So he says, have faith in God, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Does Jesus tell the truth? If anyone says of this mountain, now you've got to understand the mountain he's talking about, he's, he's preaching from, and he's speaking about this mountain. And, and uh, I can't remember the name of the mountain, don't, so don't quote me on it, but he's actually speaking of a physical mountain there in Israel. And he's saying, if anyone speaks of this mountain, what he's referring to is spiritual mountains in our life. It may be a financial mountain. It may be a healing mountain. It, it may be something that we don't have an answer for. That could be the mountain. It may be a wayward child. It may be anything, but God can answer. So he says, I tell the truth, anyone says to this mountain, everybody say, say. Yeah, we're really, some of us are good at using our words, right? Some of us don't talk as much. But there has to be something about what we say with our mouth. You heard me preach on this a few weeks ago. Evidently, God is not done with it. So in your faith, you put your faith to action by what you say. Remember a few weeks ago, how are you and I saved? Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Right? Confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you shall be what? Saved. There's something about the mouth. So I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. There's 18 inches between your head and your heart. Now it's talking about in the old days, in Jesus's time, the heart was in the bosom. We call that the stomach. And so that's why you say, I got butterflies in my stomach. They considered this the heart. In some cultures today, they still consider this the heart. Because that's where your spirit is. That's where your soul is, right? So, believing in the heart, there, you could say it's a little bit longer than 18 inches. Now, I've been exercising, so mine doesn't have to take as long now to get down there. But it's getting it from here into your spirit. You can have doubting thoughts in your mind and you can choose to focus on them or reject them. Do you get that? When you start to focus and dwell on those thoughts, it can get from here to here. And then it begins to change how you believe. Hold your spot here. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians writes this in verse 3. Look what he says to them. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now let me show you where strongholds are set up. 
We demolish arguments. Where's the stronghold? Where are arguments in? In your mind, right? Thoughts. The enemy attacks you in your thoughts. Listen, he doesn't, the enemy doesn't know what you're thinking. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. The enemy's not that way. So he doesn't know what you're thinking until you what? Say it. So he says right here, we live in the world, but we don't wage war as the world does. We have divine power to demolish bad thoughts. Bad thoughts. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Now, the word pretension means imaginations. Okay, I've shared this before, but do you ever get a lump on yourself? You know, I, I've, got this, uh, I've got this mole that's growing. It's from my arm being in the sun. If I'm not careful, my mind will start going, uh-oh, maybe I should go get that checked out. Am I the only one that does that? Hey, you know, you get a pain in your side over here, right? Oh, no. It's my pancreas. You go to the doctor. Oh, it's just gas. That's what happens a lot of times. It's, it's not the pain. But our, our minds have a tendency always to go to the worst. Satan knows that. He, he messes us up. He, ta- he changes God's word. Remember with Eve? Did God really say? Remember, that goes into the mind, the thoughts. So we demolish arguments and every imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when the enemy comes in and you're believing for faith, some of you that came forward for faith this morning, for an answer to prayer, maybe it was heaviness, maybe it was healing, who knows what it is. And you give that to God, believe, believe that you've received it from the Lord, believe that you've given it to God. And the enemy, the first thing he does is he comes in and he goes, did you really? Is God really going to do that? Did you, did anything, well, you didn't feel anything. Did you really receive anything? What's the first thing that you do when you get saved? The enemy comes in and not everybody goes through this, but some people do this. Did you really get saved? Was that real? Right? And then after you get the baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Is that real? Do you know how many people that I've prayed for that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the first thing that they say afterwards is, was that real? I mean, that's our natural tendencies, right? To say it's real. And then the enemy piggybacks on Is anybody learning anything this morning? It's just making sense. So the way you take those thoughts captives, if you make it obedient to Christ, you, you feel it, you reject it, you rebuke it, and you fill it with God's thoughts. The thought comes in, you have a choice right then. Am I going to receive it or am I going to reject it? The more you dwell on it, the more you've received it. And the more it gets into your heart, let's go back to Mark 11. So he says this, he says, I tell you the truth, verse 23, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now let me share something, I couldn't find it, it's in 1 John, but he also says when you pray and you ask for a prayer, pray that it is in line with God's will. So when you pray for something, say, God, I pray that this is in line with your will. God will remind you of that. 
There's a lot of teaching today that says, well, if I just say it enough, it's going to happen. Remember, it's not going to happen unless it's whose will. Sometimes God permits and allows things. We shared that in Sunday school this morning. I worked for Tulsa County for 12 years and ran equipment and I went over to District 1, uh, applied for a position and got that position and I loved working at District 1. And It was just an easier place to work and it was fun. The only thing I didn't like is I'd have to work on Christmas when it snowed that one or two times a year here in Oklahoma. And it always happened on Christmas. One time I had to pick up a dead deer, but you don't want to know that story. So I'm working and uh, I felt like God wanted me to go back and work at highway construction. There was another position, a, a promotion that I could have put in. It would have been more money, but I, I just didn't want to go back to that old shop, but I sensed God wanted me to. I get over there, and I knew my boss was going to put me right back into a dump truck. And I'd ask him, you're not going to put me in a dump truck, are you? Well, that's the first thing he did. He put me in a dump truck. And then I got a little irritated, so then he put me on the ground working with these big old throats. We were doing a big old section there on Yale uh, uh, over by St. Francis Hospital. And uh, God used that to get me irritated enough, to get uncomfortable enough to finally go into full-time ministry. God will permit and allow things into your life to get you to do what he wants you to do. So not everything is because of something bad. It may be a circumstance that's not going your way, but God can be using that to get you to move. He will do that. He will make you feel uncomfortable. Because sometimes we get comfortable. I'm looking out over here. I, I sat in the same spot and I see everybody. Everybody's in the same spot. I'm going to mess with you one Sunday morning. I hope I'm not in trouble with you guys. I'm going to do it one of these days just to have fun. The only person I'm not going to mess with is Brother Black because he's got a pillow there. <laughs> but we keep doubt from getting into our heart by taking those captive, those thoughts captive. Immediately. The, the minute a bad thought comes in, reject it. The minute you come forward for prayer and you get a thought, oh, is God really going to answer my prayer? Reject that. Go back to what the Word of God says. And then wait on His answer. Sometimes it takes a process. Then it says, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. In fact, I like the King James Version because it says, it shall come to pass. Meaning there's a time from the time that you believe for God to do something, from the time that he's going to answer the prayer, that there could be a time that you doubt and then it's cut off. Remember Daniel? I shared this a few weeks ago. He prayed. And 21 days goes by, no answer. And finally the angel shows up. And he said, Daniel, the, the, prayer, the answer to your prayer was sent immediately the minute you began to pray. But the prince of Persia, a demonic force, fought against me. Guys, sometimes your prayer is not answered because there's demonic activity going on. There's fighting going on. And you need to keep praying and keep praying and don't give up. You need to fight. Some of us are still sitting on the bench. And God wants us to get into the game. And sometimes the game is tough. Sometimes we're behind. 
Just don't stay behind like my team did yesterday. Look at verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have what? Received it. And it will be yours. We have a problem sometimes with that. Why can't we believe and ask God and receive it from the Lord? We need to believe that God is going to give it to us. Let me tell you something. Again, here's another hindrance to your prayers. I like that he added this in there. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, he's talking about coming to the Lord of prayer, speaking over that mountain. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. One passage says, Jesus says, go and make it right with your brother, then come back to the altar and pray. Unforgiveness will halter God's answer to your prayers. It will. It's scriptural. Maybe you have unforgiveness, and you're like, well, my prayers aren't getting answered. Forgive. Do you know unforgiveness only hurts you? It doesn't hurt the other person. And when it talks about being tortured, I still think that that's for the end of the times, that if you continue in unforgiveness, it can lead to your separation from Christ, because that's what the Scripture says. You'll be thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But it also causes torture for you. Half the time, people don't even know that you're mad at them. I'm serious. You're wasting all this time worrying about that person, and then you meet them the next time, and they're like, what are you talking about? They don't even know that you're mad at them. And the only person you're hurting is yourself. So the way that we get victory in our life and receive answers to the prayers, we have to believe. Guys, it's, it's, this, it's the simple Christianity. Believe. Believe that you received it. Believe that God's going to answer your prayer. And I know there's been times, there's been times in my life, is God really going to do this? I shared with you guys, and I'm going to share it again. Remember the IRS thing? I had a moment of like, what is going on? And Stacy goes, I just feel like we're going to get it when we move. It's going to happen that way. No, 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 no. You know, have anybody ever somebody in your family that your, your spouse tries to tell you something and you're like, nah, it's not going to happen that way. Well, we got it when we needed it, right when we moved. God knows. God permits. God allows. Believe that you've received it. I, I, I only shared this message this morning because we had people come forward this morning and I really felt like God wanted you to know this. God really needed you guys to know this, that when you come forward for prayer, believe that you've received it from God. Believe that God's going to answer that prayer. And, and like the lady that kept knocking and kept asking and kept seeking, remember the unjust judge? She kept going and bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. He was not a God-fearing judge, but Jesus said, Finally, he just had enough of her and said, okay, I'll answer whatever you need. Your justice needs to be done. And Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give you if you keep asking and keep seeking? It's not repetitive to keep asking God. What's repetitive is if we keep asking God and don't believe that he's going to do it. Do you see the difference? There's one thing to keep asking God and believing, okay, it's going to happen. I'm going to keep believing versus, oh, God, are you going to do this? Are you, come on, I'm not the only one that's done this. I'm just speaking from experience. 
Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? I, I th he can. He's God. He's sovereign. But he wants us to be in faith. We don't talk about faith enough. We, it's because it's been co so construed, we're scared to talk about it. Am I right? It's been twisted and taken in so many different directions that people are like, I don't even want to talk about it. But guys, that's how we're saved. Am I preaching at you this morning instead of to you? You bet I am. That's what faith is. You got saved by faith. You get baptized in the Spirit by faith. You get healed in faith. That's what salvation is. That's what our whole thing is about is faith. You believe in a God that you don't even see, but we know he's real, right? We see his actions. We see what he does, how he moves in our life. That's faith. Keep believing God. You need a miracle in your finances. God can do it. He can do it. I'm going to mention Jerry Seville. I, I was listening to him one day, and I don't know, again, I don't always agree with every doctrine, but I liked what he said, and I don't know if I shared this with you. I probably did, but you'll hear it again. And I'm going to close with this. We're five minutes over, but hey, I want you to hear this. So he had a guy that came out and was, he, he was getting some estimates on cutting some trees in his property. And this guy came out and started doing the work while he was gone, but they never came to an agreement. So he starts cutting the trees and say, hey, you're not supposed to be cutting those trees. We never came into an agreement. He goes, yes, you, yes, we did. He said, no, we didn't. We didn't come to an agreement. Gave him a, a price of $3,000. Well, this guy was a Christian. He was a believer. And yet he was acting this way. And so Jerry was upset. He's mad. He says, get off my property. Get away. He gets down, in the, down into his basement in his studies and he's praying. And he said, okay, Lord, I'm mad. I'm mad about this. And God said, just go ahead and pay him. He's got difficulties in his life with his finances. Go ahead and pay him. And so he said, okay, Lord. So he went down to the company, and he went, and he said, I want to apologize for how I reacted to you yesterday. And this guy's thinking he's coming to sue him. He said, here, I'm giving you $3,000, and I, I want to bless you with it. And by the way, God says that you've been struggling in your finances, and that's why you needed this money. And the guy began to weep and just burst out. And the Lord says, I will, I will uh, give back to you what the enemy has stolen from you. So a few days later, he gets a phone call from a guy that's from Las Vegas that owns some car dealerships in Las Vegas and Denver. And uh, he gives a call, actually it was to Kenneth Copeland. And Kenneth Copeland called Jerry Seville and said, hey, this guy wants you to call him. And so the guy calls him. So uh, Jerry Seville calls this guy and he goes, hey, I want you to meet me out at this airport. Do you know where this airport's at? He goes, yeah, I'll meet you out at the airport. So he, he drives out to the airport. Here's an airplane out there with the, with the engine still running. And the guy gets out and hands him a a paper bag and he's like oh no so he opens it up and he goes like this and he goes he's trying to give it back to him because he's like man this is money there's a whole bunch of money in there he's like this looks bad this would be one of those things that goes down on tv you know a minister gets all this money in his hand from some guy in an airplane the guy jumps back in the airplane said no this is yours it's a gift and he flies away jerry savelle's like very carefully holding it so because it was windy that day and he didn't want money blowing all over the place he gets home and he dumps it out He'd given that guy $3,000. God had multiplied it. There was $21,000 in there. So guys, I'm just sharing his testimony. Trust God that he's going to answer your prayers. Trust him that he's going to answer your prayers. I don't know why he wanted me to preach on this this morning. I think it's for you guys that came forward. It could be for anybody. Keep believing God that he can answer your prayers. He's a big God. Does he own the chairs that you're sitting on? Does he own this church? Do you, guess what? Do you know he owns the clothes on your back? 
Better yet, he owns you. He owns me. Everything. The scripture says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. We're going to close because we're over. I'm sorry I preached too long today. Now, somebody told me never apologize for that, so I'm not going to. But with every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. Does that describe you this morning? I'm not going to ask you to come forward this morning because some of you already came forward this morning. I just want to say a prayer over you. If you are here this morning and you needed to hear this message this morning, this was for you. God was speaking to you this morning. Nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand? Wow. Most of this room. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, as we pray together in agreement, you said if two more agree in your name, it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for every person in here that raised their hands, and even the ones that didn't. God, would, would, you, would you remind them that you will meet their needs? You said that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like the lilies of the field. How much more will you supply our needs? God, will you, will you come and remind them of that? The prayers that they prayed this morning, when they came forward, those that came forward, God, would you just begin to work in their life and they will begin to see your hand? Jesus, pour out your spirit on them. Bring, bring the answer to prayer that they've been praying for. Let, let, let's hear some testimonies, God, of people being healed and set free and coming back to you in a relationship or miracles coming in financially so that you get the glory, not us, you get the glory. And it builds our relationship with you. Father, I pray for every person in here that you would bless them. Bless them, bless them. Like the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless their territory. Bless their coming and their going there. That they would be the head and not the tail. That you would bless their physical bodies. That you'd bless and bring their family members to Christ. That Lord, you'd bless their homes. You would bless their finances and their, their relationships and their marriages. God, bless this church. God, bless this church. Bring people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bring in lost people to get saved. God, that they would surrender their life to you. And if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. Now, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've come forward and you've given your life and the enemy's hitting you with saying, oh, are you really saved? If you've given your life and you meant it, you're saved. Don't let the enemy hit you over the head. But if you're here this morning and you're not saved, Today is the day of salvation. You need to get saved this morning. If you're not saved this morning and you want to get saved, you want to know that you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Everybody's saved in here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, Father, again, bless everybody as we go into our harvest field. Bless those that need healing and touch. And we honor and praise you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. May I remind you that Tonight we have service. We're going through the book of James, if you're able to make it. And then this Wednesday, my friend, Timothy Groves, is going to be here. I'm excited to have him. If you need to be healed, I'm telling you, God works and moves through that guy. And evangelist Timothy Groves, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Don't forget about the meeting afterwards for the trunk or treat.